Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also, you can read my regular Agents Take uh, column at CBSSports.com on NFL contracts and salary cap matters. In this episode, we're going to look at two things. Uh, What's next for the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And identify some players under contract who could be in different places next season. First, let's turn our attention to the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, uh, Bruce Arians, Jason Light, the general manager, said they want to keep the band together. It's much easier said than done. There's a little bit of misinformation out there on how much salary cap room that the Buccaneers might have, and we're going to assume that the salary cap is going to be $180 million for these purposes. Now, according to NFLPA data, there are 42 players under contract right now. During the offseason, 51 players count on the salary cap. So, there's $164.43 million in cap commitments. You got $4.582 million, which is carrying over. So, that leaves you right now at 159.8585. That's for 42 players. You need 51 um, to count on the salary cap during the offseason. So, once you get to the top 51, and I'm doing this by saying anyone who's in has an expiring contract, an exclusive rights player, they're going to be tendered, so they'll count. Then you're going to sign the rest of the guys basically at the first-year league minimum. That's going to put Tampa's top 51 at basically uh, $166.88 million. So $180 million cap, you're talking about $13.1 million of cap space, which isn't enough to uh, franchise anyone at least the people that Tampa would consider franchising. There are 25 unrestricted free agents uh, for Tampa. Um, there are about seven or eight ones I'd call key free agents. So it's going to be quite a mess. And I haven't even factored in the incentives which were earned, done the reconciliation incentives earned, not earned, which is going to impact the cap. And then with the incentives earned, like Tom Brady earned $3.375 million of incentives, that comes off the cap, and then it eats in the next year's cap room because what he did in 2020 to earn the incentives is considered now likely to be earned. So there's a cap charge in 2021, which didn't exist beforehand for the incentives that are earned. So that's going to kind of change the equation. Plus, Tampa does something that most teams don't do with contracts. They use a pay-as-you-go model, which is something they started under Mark Dominic when he was GM. And by that, I mean they keep the cap and salary cap uh, – Cap and cash numbers the same. So there's no signing bonus. There's a first-year roster bonus that either is unguaranteed or becomes fully guaranteed a couple days after the contract was signed to avoid proration. Then in second year or maybe the third year, depending upon the uh, magnitude of the contract, there are salary guarantees. Um, And then... Once the guarantees run out, if you haven't restructured the contract, and they restructured a couple last year, Ali Marpet and uh, Mike Evans, that if you don't restructure the contracts, you're not turning anything into being prorated. You can just cut a guy 
without any adverse cap consequences and pick up all of his salary as cap room. So that means you have a higher first-year cap number when you do your contracts that way, but it gives you more flexibility down the road. Now, if you only have $13 million in cap room and you use the pay-as-you-go model, there's going to be a tension there. So we'll see if Tampa sticks strictly to doing contracts through the pay-as-you-go model or they start modifying that a little bit where they give some sort of signing bonus to get a cap break in the first year of contracts. And then if you're going to do extensions for anybody and use the pay-as-you-go model, you're not getting cap relief in the current year because you're not converting salary into signing bonus and stretching it out over the current year and the extension year. So we'll see what Tampa does contractually with their preferred structure. Now, let's turn our attention to some of their unrestricted free agents first. If they're going to franchise someone, it's either going to be uh, Shaquille Barrett or Chris Godwin. Now, franchise Barrett this past year, 2020, for $15.828 million. Second franchise tag, 120% of that number. $18,993,600. Now, with Godwin, it's going to be 8.758% of the cap because he goes under that cap percentage average formula for figuring out what the uh, franchise numbers are each year. At $175 million, then it would be $15.326 million, the salary cap floor. At $180 million, it projects to $15.764 million. Now, much cheaper... And Barrett wouldn't want a second franchise tag. He wants to break the bank. He's already said that. Love to stay, but wants to break the bank. Uh, Godwin hasn't had a big payday. Now, you've got more receivers than you have edge rushers. So from a pure need standpoint, it may make more sense to put a second franchise tag on Barrett. You've got Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson that you drafted that could step in. And then if you re-signed Antonio Brown, that would cushion the blow of losing Godwin. Barrett, I suspect, when he says break the bank, that means north of $20 million per year. He didn't lead the league in sacks like he did in 2019, 19 and a half sacks. He had eight this year during the regular season. But his quarterback pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, are very close. 82 quarterback pressures during the regular season in 2019 when he was the sack champion. 77 this year, which led all edge rushers in the NFL. By quarterback pressures, I mean sacks, quarterback hits, and quarterback hurries combined. In the playoffs, 21 quarterback pressures, four sacks. So, in the four playoff games. Now, Godwin had to share the wealth, so and then had some concussion issues as well. Stats were down this year. Then had some key uncharacteristic drops early in the playoffs, but still, for Chris Godwin, you stick him on the open market, he's got to be thinking, hey, Amari <laughs> Cooper last year, open market, $20 million per year. Keenan Allen signs an extension for just a shade over $20 million per year right before the start of the regular season. I know the cap's going down, but I don't think the cap is going to affect going down the marquee free agents. They'll get paid. The people who are going to suffer from a diminished cap will be the middle class, second-day uh, guys who aren't first-wave free agents. Those guys, it impacts them, not the top guys. They'll get paid. So... We'll see what decision they make. If either one of them hits, both of them hit the open market, they could both be gone. Um, Levante David, inside linebacker, underappreciated around the league. Um, Last year, he's finishing up a five-year, 
$2.5 million contract extension. He's uh, 31. Uh, the market for three-down uh, off-ball linebackers, not named Bobby Wagner, is basically 12 to $14 million per year. Um, a guy who didn't do him any favors was DeMario Davis. Uh, DeMario Davis, 31, signed a three-year, $27 million extension to stay with the Saints, which maxes out at $28.5 million. So if David's looking for money, he's probably gone too. Now, uh, you've got playoff Lenny, uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, who is also up. Uh, Fournette, Fournette came to Jacksonville on a one-year, not to Jacksonville, to Tampa after Jacksonville cut him. A one-year, two million dollar deal, which maxed out at three five in incentives. Playoff Lenny, regular season, um, Fournette different. Um, also, you have Ronald Jones waiting in the rings, who was the back before um, leg injuries um, kind of curtailed his uh, productivity and usage in the playoffs. So, regular season Fournette, 97 carries, 367 yards, six touchdowns, 36 receptions, 233 uh, yards. Yards from scrimmage, 600. That's in 13 games. Playoff Lenny, 64 carries, 300 yards, three touchdowns. 18 receptions, 148 yards, one touchdown, 448 yards per scrimmage, yards from scrimmage. So you're talking, if he sustains that pace, playoff pace for a year, he's a 1,200-yard back, getting um, basically 1,700 yards from scrimmage. So if I'm, I think he prices himself out of Tampa. Personally, if I'm Fournette, I'm trying to get um, a Melvin Gordon type deal where that's 16 million over two years. Um, if someone can is willing to pay that, and Dominican Sue's up, 34 years old, played on a one-year, eight million dollar deal, two million dollars in incentives, earned one million of them. He would probably be another one-year guy, and then would he be willing to take less? Um, Antonio Brown's an interesting case. Tampa was probably the only team that was going to throw him a lifeline uh, outside of maybe Seattle <laughs> um, because of his um, off-the-field transgressions and checkered past. Now, I don't know if what he did in his half-season and playoffs in Tampa is going to materially change whether he's off-limits for a lot of teams because of the baggage, but he kind of gives you leverage against um, Chris Godwin. Also, his days of being a highest paid, one of the highest paid wide receivers are probably over because of the baggage. Um, he played, made a million dollars for the eight games for half a season, then earned a million of his million and a half in incentives. So that's $2 million for half a season. That one, I'm not really sure where that would come out, but if you wanted to, Resign him. You could do a heavily incentive-laden contract because he only played 30% of the snaps during the regular season. Anything you didn't do in the previous year doesn't count on the cap during the season. I would have per-game roster bonuses in there for him. Stats: 45 catches, 483 yards, four TDs during the regular season. Anything above that, not likely to be earned. So you got a lot of room to play with for getting him money that if he's on the field, it's okay. He, he, he's got it. Now, tight end's an interesting position. Gronkowski seems like he's willing to stay out of retirement. Made $10 million. 
Um, that was the final year of his um, Patriots deal that got reinstated when, when um, he came out of retirement. So he wanted to take a pay cut to play with Tom Brady. How many years? One year, two year. And then they don't do signing bonuses here in Tampa. So now you've got Cameron Brait, who was the third tight end before O.J. Howard got hurt. And Brait scheduled to make $6.5 million this year. He took a pay cut in 2020 from $6 million to $4.25 million. So to be what could be the third tight end, they're not going to have him around for $6.5 million. Would he want to take another pay cut, or would they risk cutting him, or would he be willing to walk? Because O.J. Howard, they exercise the fifth-year option. It's guaranteed for injury, and it becomes fully guaranteed on the first day of the league year. He can't pass a physical after tearing an Achilles at this point in time. So if they cut him and try to deny uh, the injury the, the injury guarantee, that's a grievance waiting to happen. Now, if they cut him and he's able to play someplace else, they get an offset from what he signed above, I think, the $6.013 million. But you could try to work something out with him because he only played four games before he got hurt, where he could still make his $6 million or maybe he could make $7 million, chop his base salary at least in half, his option year salary at least in half, have him make up the bulk of incentives, his playtime was basically 12%. He caught 11 passes for 146 yards. So you got a huge universe of things to work with to keep him in the fold. Um, so it's going to be interesting tension between the tight ends. Uh, another unrestricted free agent that um, is important, Ryan Suckup, played on a veteran salary uh, benefit contract, which means he played for his league minimum $1.05 million in um, 2020. But... The team got a break on the cap under these contracts um, because there wasn't more than 137,500 in extra compensation. So they got the cap break where it was a second year league minimum salary. He counted on a cap for 750. Now he made 90% of his um, field goal attempts. Had some problems with extra points, but he was at least an average kicker. <laughs> You hit 90%, you're above average. In 2020, according to NFLPA data, the average um, kicker and punter made um, $2.15 million. Now, if you just drill that down um, strictly to just kickers, kickers, $2.5 million, average salary. So he's deserving of a raise as well. Uh, so that's going to be, a, be a, a tough one. Now, let's look at some of the players who are under contract and what they could do. Now, you got Tom Brady, uh, last year of the two-year contract. They signed $50 million over two years, uh, $59 million um, incentives. I'd watch Brady. Uh, he says he wants to play till he's 45. He may look to stay in Tampa beyond the two years. So do you do an extension with him? Or he's got a fifth-day, fully guaranteed $10 million roster bonus. Brady's taken less money before. Does he give back some or all of that roster bonus to create cap room for uh, Tampa? It'll be interesting to watch what he does. Of the guys with the biggest cap numbers, um, Mike Evans has said that he would take less money. Now, I'm sure his agent is like, 
yeah, you'll take less of a cap hit, not less money. So they he's one guy they've touched his contract before. He's under contract through 2023. So if they chose to restructure him again, you could drop his base salary down to $1.075 million because he's scheduled to make 13 this year and take $11.175 million, uh, convert that um, into signing bonus, and you're going to pick up $7.45 million in cap space. Ali Marpet's another guy that they've um, done so in the past. He's got a $12.025 million uh, cap hit. Then it gets interesting with a couple of the offensive linemen. Ryan Jensen, final year of his contract, $10 million cash and cap number because of the pay-as-you-go model. $750,000 third-day league year roster bonus. Do you extend him, or what do you do with him? Donovan Smith, didn't up-and-down season, played better as the year went on. $14.25 million cap hit and cash. If push comes to shove, is he potentially vulnerable? I think William Golston's probably out. $5.5 million cap and cash. So, as I said, it's going to be a lot easier. It's a lot. It sounds great to keep the team together, but in, in trying to come together and do it may be a different story. So, let's keep an eye on what happens with Tampa Bay in terms of which the free agents stay, which of the free agents go, <laughs> Uh Tom Brady, is he going to do what he did in New England? Give money back uh, to try to win that eighth championship? <laughs> is Rob Gronkowski going to take less? I don't expect Godwin and Barrett to take less. David, this would be his second contract extension. If anyone takes less, it would be him. Does Sue play for less than $8 million to come back on a one? Um, these are all things which are going to be resolved pretty quickly, but Tampa Bay keeping the band together to try to repeat as Super Bowl champions, which hasn't happened since the Patriots in 2003 and 2004, may not be that easy of a task. This should be one of the most eventful off-seasons in the salary cap era, considering that there's most likely going to be a pretty big drop in the salary cap. There's a salary cap floor, $175 million. There have been reports the cap could be between $180 and $181 million when it's finally set. Absent new TV deals getting done, it's going to take a pretty steep drop from um, the current level, $198.2 million. We've already seen um, a couple of moves made or pending moves, and one we're not going to discuss in any detail here because it was on a previous podcast. You can check that out um, if you want to know the implications for the uh, Matthew Stafford-Jared Goff trade. We've seen a couple of guys already uh, released. Uh, the Broncos released A.J. Bouye, um, picking up $13,218,750 of cap room, no dead money with that release. And on Friday, the Texans honored J.J. Watt's request uh, to give him his release. Um, he's scheduled to make $17.5 million um, for 2021 in the final year of a $100 million six-year extension he signed in 2014 to become the highest-paid defensive player, uh, or non-quarterback, I should say. Um, 
Texans saving $17.5 million on the cap, zero dead money uh, associated with the move. There's some people who are championing this as the Texans doing the right thing by Watt in terms of letting him go early because free agency starts March 17th, so he's got a head start. I don't necessarily see it that way. I think that the Texans are acting in their own best interest. Some people think, yeah, they could have tried to get something for him in a trade, but how many teams really would have $17.5 million of cap space to absorb what was going to be his 2021 salary? Not a lot, um, given the cap's going to take a huge drop. And then it being a team he'd want to go to, the Texans, if they were going to try to maximize their uh, draft compensation in a J.J. Watt trade, probably would have had to eat some cap room, eat some salary like they did with Javion Clowney when he signed his franchise tender to go to um, Seattle. So maybe they would have gotten 12.5 of cap room, 10 million, because they convert 5 to 7.5 million into a salary on their way out the door and eat it. And then there's some people who were talking about the disparity in treatment between J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson. Um, it's apples and oranges to me. Um, Deshaun Watson, who has requested a trade, and we've talked about all the implications of Deshaun Watson being traded in a previous podcast, so we're not going to rehash it here. So go if you want to know about that, go check out one of the previous podcasts. But apples and oranges. Watson just signed a four-year extension of two years left on his contract uh, in September. And he's a quarterback, young quarterback, 25 years old, in his prime. 25, 26 years old, in his prime. You don't get rid of those guys. You got J.J. Watt, who's close to being 32, who the Texans are getting a benefit, the cap room. They weren't going to be able to keep J.J. Watt at that number, so they're doing what's in their best interest. They feel that not trading Deshaun Watson's in their best interest, so that's all it is. They're motivated by self-interest in both transactions. Um, with Watt, um, he's got supposedly a lot of teams interested in him. It'll be interesting to see if he wants to go to Pittsburgh and potentially play for a discount with his brothers, uh, TJ and Derek. What would J.J. Watt's uh, market be contractually? Well, he's scheduled to make 17.5. I don't think any deal he signs is going to average 17.5. We had two older defensive linemen last year, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, 31, uh, to stay in Tampa, uh, $25 million over two years, maxes out to $27 million with incentives. And Calais Campbell, who's a little bit older, um, played the season at 34 years old, had a year left on his contract in Jacksonville, um, under contract two years for, for the Ravens, same $27 million as Jason Pierre-Paul and also uh, $25 million as a base value. That might be a benchmark, or you could look going back previously to 2017 when Calais Campbell had roughly, it, 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 going on 31, uh, signed a four-year $60 million contract in free agency to go to Jacksonville at $15 million per year. But I don't see J.J. Watt getting a contract averaging $17.5 million per year. Now, let's look at um, some of the other guys. Uh, Carson Wentz is a guy I never thought that the Eagles would be willing to eat $33,820,611 
in dead money to trade him. His cap number is $34.67 million, so they're going to pick up a little over $850,000 by moving Carson Wentz. Um, the acquiring team, $47.2 million over the next two years would essentially be the guarantee. It's under contract for four years, $98.4 million is what you'd be taking on. They want a first-round pick. They wanted Matthew Stafford compensation, never going to happen. Um, there have been reports the Colts have offered two twos, two second-round picks for him, which is what um, San Francisco got from Kansas City when they traded Alex Smith uh, years ago. That may be appropriate. If they want a first-round pick, maybe they should include Zach Wentz's partner in crime in the deal because um, Philadelphia is going to part ways with Zach Ertz uh, one way or another. Uh, he won't be on the roster for the 2021 season. He's got a cap number of $12,471,500. Um, they'll save $4.702 million um, with him not there. The dead money be $7,769,500. It's supposed to make $8.25 million in 2021. Uh, they had tried to briefly work on a contract extension right after uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey signed, but a lot of problems with that money and finances and structure. They wanted that lousy Travis Kelsey structure, which no player in their right mind should ever sign. Maybe that's the route to go. Um, both guys go to Indy, and maybe Philly gets the first-round pick, uh, maybe a little more. Uh, Von Miller could be on his way out in Denver. He's in the final year of his $114.5 million six-year contract he signed in 2016 to become the highest-paid non-quarterback. Uh, the period to exercise the option for his 2021 contract year started on Friday. They have The Broncos have until the first day of the league year to do so. If they don't pick up the option, then he's free. His cap number is 22.125 for the option picked up. Uh, there'd be $4.125 million in dead money. If they don't pick it up, they save $18 million in cash. Um, if they do pick it up, $7 million of a $17.5 million base salary becomes fully guaranteed. Uh, the 49ers have been willing to entertain an upgraded quarterback, so Jimmy Garoppolo could be vulnerable if they can find a upgrade. Uh, he's His cap number is um, $26.4 million. The dead money is minimal because of how San Francisco structured the five-year $137.5 million contract he signed in 2018 to be briefly become the highest-paid quarterback. They took a massive cap hit in that first year, 2018, for roster bonuses wasn't prorated. So, uh, Grapple has a no-trade clause, So he, for, just for 2021. So, he can control where he goes. But if he's gone, there's $2.8 million in dead money, and $23.6 um, million is saved on the cap. Maybe he goes back to New England. He's under contract for two years, $51.1 million for those two years. One of the best feel-good stories, miraculous comeback by Alex Smith, was named NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, Redskins were in on the uh, Matthew Stafford pursuit, so they're looking to upgrade. He's got two years left on the uh, $94 million extension, four-year extension he signed uh, when he was traded from Kansas City. He's got uh, supposed to make $19 million this year. Uh, for what Alex Smith is now, that's too much. $24.4 million cap hit. 
the dead money would be 10.8 million and 13.6 million would be saved on the cap. So look at two other quarterbacks. Uh, the Jets have to decide what to do with Sam Darnold. They have the number two pick. Do they take a quarterback there, or do they roll with Darnold? Cap hit is 9.974 million. They'd have to decide on a fifth-year option with him, either if he's traded, which would probably be for a second or third-round pick, or they keep him. Fifth-year option becomes fully guaranteed with the 2018 draft class as soon as you exercise it, as opposed to it being guaranteed just for injury. Then the skill and care guarantees kicking in um, a year later. But they would save $4.77 million on the cap. Um, the dead money. Uh, would be $5,019,581. So if they did trade him, that would be a dilemma for the new team, sight unseen to exercise the option. Uh, The Raiders are looking to trade a quarterback, but just reportedly not Derek Carr. Marcus uh, Mariota has an $11.35 million cap hit. So as a backup quarterback, that's not really tenable. Um, they'd save $11.35 million of all cash if they uh, were able to trade him or cut him. There'd be no dead money. And speaking of having a player on the Raiders with no dead money, they're releasing um, Tyrell Williams, the receiver who missed all of 2020 for shoulder injury and was banged up the year before when they signed him in free agency. So they really haven't got anything out of him. $11.6 million cap and cash, so that's the savings if he's gone. No dead money. Uh, two other uh, Eagles are going to be gone. Now, the Eagles made a maneuver right before the end of the regular season, which was necessary if they wanted to use the post-June 1 designation in the manner they intended. You can't make an alteration to a contract after the regular season ends and then immediately when the when the new league year starts use post-June 1 designation. So they had to do the renegotiation uh, before the end of the regular season. And what they did for Alshon Jeffrey and Malik Jackson is they dropped their base salaries in 2021 down to $2 million. So that gave them immediate cap relief from what the numbers were, um, knowing they're going to have to carry the numbers all the way through to June 2nd with the post-June ones and designations in order to have the bonus proration from the future years not hit the cap in 2021 and be delayed till 2022. So they fully guaranteed the base salary, which got dropped to $2 million for both guys for 2021. Um, excuse me, it becomes fully guaranteed on the second day of the league year. So they'll cut them before then. Use the post one designation on both guys. And also, for good measure, had a 2022 base salary of $25 million fully guaranteed at that point as well. Um, with Jeffrey... His cap number now is $7.59 million. Um, they're only going to save $1.95 million, and there's going to be $5.64 million of dead money in 2021. And then $5,435,706 in dead money in 2022. With Jackson, his cap number is now $5.611 million. Uh, they'll save $2 million um, come June 2nd, $3.011 million in dead money. And in 2022, the dead money is 9.033 million. A guy, another guy who's going to be a who's probably going to be traded, Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown went to the Pro Bowl this year. He's a right tackle in Baltimore. Wants to be a left tackle. Can't be a left tackle because they just paid Ronnie Stanley 
uh, an extension of 19.75 million per year. Uh, they've given Brown permission to shop himself for a trade. The compensation will at least be a first-round pick in return if the Ravens do move him. His cap hit is 2.599 million. Uh, they'll save 2.383 million on the cap. The dead money will be $216,430. Um, just because he wants to play, be a left tackle, they'll probably move him. Plus, he would never sign an extension there. And the best they would get, because he'd be a free agent in 2022, is a 2023 compensatory pick at the bottom of the third round. So you'll get at least a first-round pick, presumably for the 2021 draft, and moving him um, sooner rather than later. If I'm the Texans, I'm parting ways with David Johnson. Stupid trade to begin with. Gave up to Andre Hopkins. To get David Johnson, essentially. David Johnson hasn't been David Johnson since 2016. That was his last elite year. He's making $9 million because all the bonus proration stayed in Arizona with the trade. The cap, His cap hit because of per-game roster bonuses, and he missed some time um, in the way they're calculated on the cap, is $8,512,500. That's the cap savings and the cash savings if he's gone. Two Vikings to keep an eye on. Um, Kyle Rudolph has said that he's not taking a pay cut, doesn't like his role. Irv Smith, Irv Smith Jr. is the future at tight end. Rudolph, 31, not willing to take a pay cut. He'll be a guy that if he doesn't play ball at the Vikings, will be in for a rude awakening in free agency. He's got $8 million in cash this year. Cap number, $9,387,500. The uh, dead money would be 4.35 million and they'd save five million fifty seven thousand five hundred dollars uh, if he's not there which I don't think he will be uh, Riley reef is an interesting case to tackle one of the tackles took a pay cut last year from 11 million to six million had two million in incentives based on play time Vikings did something pretty cool with him. He earned $1 million, but the second million was based on 93.75% playtime. He barely missed it because of the number of plays the Vikings had in the regular season finale. So they gave it to him anyway in a signing bonus. Uh, he's got a $5 million um, third day of the league year roster bonus, so something's going to happen between now and then. Supposed to make $11.75 million in cash for his 2021 salary. Now the cap number goes up a million because of the gesture it's 14.95 million there would be 3.2 million in dead money with him and they'd save 11.75 million on the cap if he's not there uh one last guy um saints are going to be cutting uh a myriad of guys oh actually actually two guys um forgot to mention stefan stefan gilmore uh gilmore uh was subject to trade rumors last season um, defensive player of the year 2019 Probably wants to uh, upgrade in his contract, final year of the deal. Uh, cap hit of $16.676 million. Uh, Patriots would save uh, $7.91 million if he is traded. And the dead money would be $8.76 million. So I'd look for a potential trade of Stephon Gilmore out of New England. And finally, Quan Alexander. New England's going to, not New England, uh, the Saints are going to be cutting and restructuring a lot of contracts. Um, they'll save uh, $13,165,625 by cutting Quan Alexander. 
came, he came over in a trade middle of last season before the trading deadline from the 49ers and tore his Achilles late in the regular season. There's one interesting thing about him. Since he had additional contract years and they're cutting a guy who is actually injured, he if he can't play at the beginning of the regular season and can't play the whole season, he'll make $1.2 million under the CBA's injury protection benefit. Because uh, the way that benefit works, you get 50% of your base salary up to $1.2 million if you have additional contract years in the first year of, of your contract if you're released and are physically unable to play the following season because of an injury that's happened in, in the prior year, which in his case is 2020. So um, that's something to keep an eye on down the road because that would be a $1.2 million cap hit going back on the books for the Saints in the event Alexander can't play, and he's regular season is going to be in jeopardy given the timing of the Achilles tear. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel C O R R Y J O E L, and also check out my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take. Uh, we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye.